with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. On 95.5 WSB. Do you think the internet listens to you? Do you think your phone listens to you? <laughs> I think it does. Uh, well, I know it does for sure. I'll be talking about cat litter and we don't even have cats. And then all of a sudden I open Facebook and there's an ad for cat litter. Um, but I know, I know those things listen to you. And we have had a Google Home speaker. It's now a few years old, probably three or four. So it's not one of the newest ones but it had been in the basement and I we don't spend a lot of time down there but I had it unplugged and we kind of rediscovered it my husband was like let's bring this upstairs and I was like no no it listens to us and he's like no different than our phones sitting right here um but I the reason I say that is because here we are talking about ants and no joke on my Facebook feed uh in the break something pops up a, a posting from Grow Wild Inc and it says an astounding 30 to 40 percent of woodland spring flower spring wildflower seeds are planted by ants moving around so, hey, ants aren't so bad. Now, you know, Rhonda doesn't want to see them in her bathroom, in her tub, and on her kitchen counters. I get that. But uh, ants do. I mean, they, they are an important part of biodiversity as they go after invertebrates, uh, other ants even. They're going after the honeydew, cleaning up after those insects that I mentioned, uh, anything that like aphids and things that excrete that honeydew. Gosh, I mean, a lot of times they don't eat plants. Actually, when you see them on a peony flower, they're necessary for the process for a peony to open. So that's something interesting to think about. I'll get calls every now and then on the show, folks freaking out that they're all over their peony plants and they're actually doing uh, a benefit. They're not doing any harm. Compost piles and things like that, sure, they break all of that down as well. So they have their benefits. But I'm so glad uh, Maria is listening to the show this morning and chimed in. And she says that taro, that small liquid bait, just a few drops draw the ants out of their nest and then they come back and carry it destroy the whole colony. So Taro, T-E-R-R-O, that is a good product. That is an effective bait that I've used in the house as well. So Rhonda, if you're still listening, that's good advice from Maria. Thank you. And you can feel free to join the conversation at 404-872-0750 or the Facebook page. I do check that during the show uh, at, on Facebook. Search Green and Growing WSB and you can weigh in there. And I will get to that tease that I had at the end of the last hour talking about uh, the beautiful plants showy colors for winter interests after we take a few calls shall we so let's go down to ellenwood and say good morning to derek hey derek welcome to the show um good morning what's going on well i was calling because i have moles in my backyard and i was just trying to figure out the best way to eradicate them so as you step onto your grass and your lawn all of a sudden your feet sink a little bit don't they yes and i can <laughs> see the uh, like the run yeah in yeah. the yard and it's a pretty big yard, and it's starting to take over. Yeah. No, they're they're pretty awful. I have them, too, um, no matter how much I try to grow fescue, especially along the edges of the lawn. I find that the moles will kind of take to the edges of the concrete, whether it's against the walk or against the driveway. That seems to be where the tunnels are the highest. Um, they're feeding on insects, mainly earthworms and grubs, things like that. That's what they're tunneling for. So if you have really rich soil that has a lot of earthworms and grubs, the moles are quite happy, right? So uh, going the route first, and I've not really done this effectively enough to tell you whether or not it works, but I remember screening phones for this very show for Walter Reeves for eight years sitting on the other side of this window 
and hearing him for years tell people to stomp down the tunnels, right? He's like, get your teenage neighbors, can pay them a few bucks and just go stomp down all the tunnels in the yard. And it's flattening the tunnel, forcing the moles to evacuate and kind of move elsewhere. I do that from time to time. And I look like a, a plain fool to my neighbors, I'm sure, as I walk up to the mailbox and get the mail, come back down. I am just like dancing around in my yard trying to stomp down the tunnels. But I've never actually done it effectively to where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do the start of this tunnel and just follow it, follow it, follow it and stomp the whole thing down. So that is, I mean, as you're mowing and stuff, you're naturally going to be doing that anyways, flattening the tunnels. Um, There are some products. I can't think of what it is now at the hardware stores, but it's a cone shaped. um, It's, it's, packaged in a cone shape and it's a bait that you put into the you put the point of the cone downward I'm trying to see if I can type at the same time you put it into the tunnel where you know there's an active tunnel and you put the the point of the cone oh yeah there it is it's made by Victor um kills moles and gophers and things like that um that has been pretty effective when you put that pointed shape down into a tunnel and you know Apply it very carefully, gloves if necessary, whatever. You have to make sure no kids or dogs are going to be digging in the yard or anything where you're putting that. But that is like poison peanut pellets. Um, and they'll find that and they'll die. And that's kind of sad. But ultimately, if you don't want them, that's that's what we want to happen. One year, I was so frustrated with the moles, Derek, that I did seven. And, you know, that's a that's a brand name, seven. Um, the seven dust I had always known my mom to use on roses and things like that. But this was actually a red bag of seven and it was a granular that I applied to the yard and it worked. But as I've become more conscientious and gone through master gardener training and things like that, I realized that what that seven is doing, it's an insect control, right? So it is killing the grubs, uh, which are later going to become Japanese beetles, but it's killing the earthworms too. And I know we want earthworms. We want that for the soil. We want that for good soil. Um, grubs, I couldn't care less about. I don't really like them, but earthworms I do like. So try to use that as a last resort. And especially if you're a gardener and you're a little hesitant to use an insecticide unnecessarily, but if you're just overrun, you're really treating the source of the problem, which is the insects. The insects are what's causing the issue because that's what the moles are after and that's what's attractive to them. So there's a couple of you know, and like over the years, Walter hosting the show, people would say, oh, put uh, juicy fruit gum down in the tunnels and that would repel them and all these kind of silly wives tales or mm-hmm. whatever. But that's a start. Have you done any of those stomping down the tunnels or using that Victor or the seven? I stomped down the tunnels. And then when I Google, they say the trap is the most effective way. And have you heard of milky spore? I have heard of that. I've not used it, though. Um, so that's interesting. What are they saying to do with that? Um, put that out the, the sea and use trap. They said that's the most effective. This is on Listen to the Garden Guru also on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. So that's one thing they were saying. And go out, put that down. And it says it's going to take time. And then you have to find the run of the of the tunnels. That's hard for me to find out which one's the main track yeah. and trap them. Okay, so yeah, the milky spore is going to be a granular control for the grubs, um, much like the seven right. product, but they're saying that this is organic, so that's great that if that's organic, long-lasting insecticide granule, um, yeah, controls the grub. Now, I don't, I can't read quickly enough to see if it is targeted to just grubs or if it's going to be killing off other things as well. But yeah, that's interesting. It's got uh, a natural organic ingredient that's going to eliminate the Japanese beetle grubs. Hmm. 
Hmm. So have you tried that or you just heard it and you haven't done it yet? I'm, I was going to the store today. I like that. Will you, in a, in a couple of weeks, Derek, will you check back with me? Because that I've not, I've heard of Milky Spore, never used it, never really researched it. If you do that with some success, I would love to hear back from you. That's the first I've heard of that. So I like it. Okay, I surely will. Oh, cool. Yeah, just read and follow label directions. We'll make sure that you're the the test control for this. And yeah, if you have some success in the next couple of weeks, call me back. I would love to know. Okay, I surely will. Oh, thanks, Derek. I appreciate the call. Good luck, man. Okay, thanks. And don't feel silly if you're out there stomping the tunnels because all of us are laughing to ourselves that have done it. We're like, yep, been there, done that. Um, So over the years, when Walter Reeves hosted this show, The Lawn and Garden Show, uh, to go along, I just thought you might get a kick out of this to go along with the juicy fruit gum, um, you know, home home remedies for getting rid of moles. Let's not do broken glass. <laughs> That's a dumb idea. Uh, those ultrasonic vibrators. Eh, I've had just one or two people over my time of doing this show say that it does work. I don't think so. Mothballs. It is actually illegal to use mothballs in the garden knowingly. Uh, to eradicate that or snakes or anything like that because there's so many other things that could be negatively impacted by mothballs. Do not use those outside. They are not meant for use outside. Uh, The poison peanuts, Walter's website says, traditionally don't work, but I've had a couple of landscape guys that say that that Victor product in the conical-shaped packaging does work. Um, Gosh, oh, and castor oil. Products containing castor oil have recently been touted to repel moles, but little research is done on their effectiveness. So what I try to do on the show is try to be a bastion of good information, research-based, science-based information from the Extension, University of Georgia Extension. And every state has an Extension service through their flagship university that provides all of that research and that science, right? And a lot of times... It's very tedious to look all of that up and try to consume it quickly enough to then relay to you in three or four minutes on the radio, but I do try my best. And the more I hear and am exposed to and the more great calls and questions I get, we can have these conversations and have these back and forths like I do as I have the Facebook page open during the show, hearing from all of you what works, what doesn't. Now, if I just hear something completely silly uh, that's going to throw up a red flag, then then I, I call it out for sure. But Um, Over the years of the show, interviewing folks who work for the University of Georgia Extension, uh, like Bob Westerfield, we heard from last week, and Becky Griffin, and all of the county extension agents that I've befriended, and Clint Waltz with Turfgrass, all of them know best and have done the research and seen it firsthand on on a lot of these things that work. So, um, you know, I'm learning just as all of you are, so trying to kind of debunk some of these silly things. Um, but I, the milky spore, that really sounds good. So I do need to do a little bit more research on that. And I had a show in the past too, that I would actually kind of love to bring back this topic of what is organic. You know, if you see a label in the hardware store on a product and you're like, Oh, well it says it's organic. It must be great and safe for the garden. There's such a distinction between what is OMRI certified what is it be allowed to be labeled organic? Um, I'm actually writing that down because I think I should bring that show back or at least the content of that show so that we all know, you know, yeah, you, you can lay your head on the pillow and feel good at night knowing that you use something organic. But is there any kind of regulation to that company putting that word on a package and what really does it mean? So that's actually really good in these slower months, something to bring to you as a topic and talk about. So, yeah. Just kind of thinking out loud there. 404-872-0750 is the number to get through to Green and Growing. And speaking of Milky Spore, what uh, Derek had heard for treatment of moles, Stuart in Jonesboro weighing in on that. Hey, Stuart, good morning. 
Good morning. All right, so tell me what you know. I love to hear it. Well, for, first of all, it's not a granular. It's a, it's um, basically a powder. It's very very fine dust. Um, it's a bacteria that only affects um, the grubs. Uh-huh. Um, you put it, it's fairly expensive. I mean, it's a small, like a soup can size uh, container. Uh, oh, I don't know, maybe thirty or forty dollars. Yeah. But the, on the other hand, um, it lasts in the soil probably twenty years. Oh my gosh! Um, it infects the soil. It only affects the grubs. Um, probably wouldn't taste real good. You could put it on your ice cream as a topping if you wanted to. <laughs> but uh, well, we rarely see uh, any Japanese beetles um, when our neighbors have them. And yeah, I mean. Beetle doesn't know the property line, but uh, we still don't see them uh, on our roses, on our uh, on anything else very much. I mean, occasionally we see one or two. Wow. And so what I'm reading about, like when, when I looked it up when Derek was talking about it, I do see a bag that says granular, and it even has applying oh. it like in a drop spreader, but you must have a different, because if it's powdery, you wouldn't put it in a drop spreader the way you apply it, right? No, no. You put it, well, the way I've always seen it, um, you put out oh a teaspoonful in a uh, sort of a checkerboard pattern um, around your uh, around your yard, and uh, that's that's how you do it. Um, and following the label directions, I mean, even though that can is maybe thirty dollars, you say if you if you do it right in the right ratios, you can probably make a little go a long way. Exactly right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I like this. And like I say, it's it's highly effective. Yeah. And I mean, then we're thankful for A, getting rid of the moles, but B, the effects of not having the Japanese beetles in the summertime, which can be just voracious on rose bushes oh, and all true. kinds of things. Wow. <laughs> that's the truth, yeah. Okay. Well, Stuart, thank you for that. I really appreciate yeah. you chiming in on that. Now, the other thing I yeah. wanted to tell you, I, I had called uh, last spring about uh, how do I extend the bloom season on my gardenias. Um, I didn't do a thing with my gardenias. And I've still got blooms and buds. Here it is, January. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> so go figure. Granted, the blooms are, are pretty weak looking. Yeah. You know, the cold has, has got them. But uh, they, they bloomed all year long, and I didn't I didn't do a thing differently. <laughs> Sometimes the, the best gardening <laughs> is lazy gardening. I mean, really, the less we, you know, and it's kind of like that in the dating world, too. The harder you're trying <laughs> to find a, a mate the the worse your odds are going to be. But then when you're just like, oh, heck, I give up, then you find somebody, you know? I like <laughs> yep. that mentality. Yep. Yep. Thank you, Stuart. Thanks for the update. Well, have a good day. <laughs> you too. Have a great weekend. I love that. I have something to say about gardenias. Speaking of, I'm glad he brought that up. When we come back, so we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back to Green and Growing on WSB. See, you didn't even have time to miss me. <laughs> we were gone for two minutes, and we're back on Green and Growing almost halfway through the show. Really happy to be back. I missed you guys for two weeks. Um, I took the Saturday off the 23rd before Christmas Eve just because I was like, oh, heck, why not? Um, in years past, I filled in on Channel 2 Action News for Mark Aram doing traffic over the holidays. So I feel like for the last eight or nine years, I worked every single holiday, especially right around Christmas and New Year's. And it didn't bother me. We don't have small children. Um, not really a big New Year's fan. So I didn't mind working and I love my job. But boy, to actually take those days off around Christmas was such a treat for me this year. So I hope I put together a great show that you enjoyed two weeks ago. And then guess what? You got to hear it again last week because I got sick. Um, I changed up a little bit 
Um, I had time to throw in some new segments so that it wasn't the exact same show two weeks in a row. I hated to do that. But uh, nonetheless, yeah, back live in studio with Ann and DeMarco today and having a great time hearing from you. I miss you guys. 404-872-0750. First, want to do the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. And from our own meteorologist, Christina Edwards, says today the high is going to be in the low 50s. All of this morning rain is going to be moving out. It's going to stay cloudy but dry for the afternoon. If you have plans this evening, it's going to be okay to leave the rain jacket at home. Uh, Partly to mostly cloudy skies tomorrow and Monday. Highs around 50. And it gets up to 60 degrees perhaps, just a little bit warmer uh, come Tuesday. But more widespread showers in the forecast. So I was going to get my car washed today. I guess I can. Uh, if the rain showers are moving out in the morning. And the complete forecast comes up in less than 10 minutes. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. All right. So if it's wet this morning and you're taking down the Christmas tree or whatever, take this time to check house plants too. You want to, you know, look at those for insects. Treat immediately if found. Careful bugs can spread from one plant to the other, especially if you're moving plants around from room to room. And clean the bigger leafed plants with a damp cloth, whether it's a damp paper towel or even just a dry dust cloth. I have found that super beneficial to clean the leaves of my orchids and my monstera. Number two, a seed starting calendar is a crucial bit of planning every gardener should have in place before the first seed packet is opened. Mapping out your planning schedule ahead ensures a steady harvest aligned with each crop's ideal maturation rate. And if you're really a good gardener, starting seed indoors and having those plants versus direct sowing when it gets a little warmer, planting the seeds outside and have the plant just sprout right up so you don't have to do any transplanting, Uh, timing all of that out and staggering that so that all your tomatoes don't come on at once or all your cucumbers don't come on at once, really be thinking about that. Do some research too. Uh, One of the best websites, one of the best resources for us here in Georgia is the University of Georgia Extension and the uh, College of Agriculture and Environmental Sciences. The website extension.uga.edu, extension.uga.edu, and you'll be able there to find so much helpful stuff, especially about seed starting and vegetable gardening. And number three, sign up for a workshop, sign up for a garden class. Uh, Local garden groups, garden centers, nurseries, they all offer informative winter workshops open to the public this time of year, many of which are free. Check event listings for topics that are of interest to you. And also my website, I'm telling you, I do one of the best, most comprehensive lists of any uh, events and classes and webinars that I see on my website through wsbradio.com slash green and growing and scroll down to events. And there you may also see the content from my newsletter that came out through WSB Radio just yesterday. I try to do that every other Friday right to your inbox if you sign up for the WSB Radio newsletters uh, through our website, again, wsbradio.com. So when Stuart was just talking about gardenias, I had this really cool picture um, sent to me by a listener. I'm so sorry. I can't remember his name right now. I think it was Tom. Yeah, I think it was Tom. Um, Tom sent me this great picture, and he's like, oh, this, no, it was Mike. Yeah, it was Mike. Anyway, sorry, I just needed to do that for myself. This bulbous-looking red growth on the tip of his gardenia, and it just looks like a gnarly, weird deformity. And he's like, what is this? What is this growing on my gardenia? It looks so weird. And I was very happy to tell him it was a seed pod of a gardenia. And when you open it up, there's actually a few seeds in there that you can certainly try to to start um, in a little pot of soil. 
bright sunny window kind of with humid conditions but it's really really neat to see a gardenia seed pot if you want to go on my website and see what that looks like it's quite neat but if you deadhead your gardenia blooms as they expire you are not likely to see a seed pod so if you've never seen one that's probably why but check out that picture and more on the website wsbradio.com slash green and growing we'll be right back with more of your calls 404-872-0750 with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. On 95.5 WSB. All right, Dave Baker's already getting here for the Home Fix It show at 9 o'clock, but that's too bad. He's going to have to wait because we have another hour and a half to go here on Green and Growing. I'm back. I'm back. I did not intend to be off two Saturdays in a row. I missed you guys, but I'm back still... uh, Recovering from whatever the Christmas crud was that everybody has and the congestion and the sinus stuff and the just overall feeling blah. Um, it's, it's a little hard to do a show, a little rusty when you've been off for two Saturdays. And by the way, I do want to uh, tell any of you early listeners, uh, Mac Farr did a fantastic job hosting the new show Epic Outdoors this morning. Uh, if you didn't hear, O'Neill retired, just retired from the radio program after 30 some odd years. He and his wife, Gail, um, stepping away. So his friend Mac Farr took over the show and is now Epic Outdoors here on WSB every Saturday from four to six. I really enjoyed listening to it on the way in and Mac did a fantastic job. So if you're up extra early on Saturdays, you know that program's there. And then of course, Dave Baker, Home Fix It Show comes on from nine to noon. Um, good morning to Catherine and Ryan who are checking in on the Facebook page this morning and Maria and Tom and Joe. I'm glad you all are up early this morning, 404-872-0750. So uh, something that I promised to share with you if you are not on Facebook and and don't follow me and just don't want to be on Facebook, I don't blame you. Uh, I have to do it for work. I have a multitude of Facebook pages, but I don't mind it. It's okay, but it's it's a job in and of itself. But I do really enjoy keeping up with the Green and Growing WSB Facebook page. Um, And I solicited the help from the Southern Living Plant Collection. I really love garden media and my relationship with them, and they come up with such great um, imagery and visuals for me to share with you on social media, but also just great information and notes they pass along to me. So no winter doldrums. Don't want you to feel gray and dreary and just bleh when you look outside, right? There's so many great plants that we can add to the landscape, and now is a time. Now is a time to plant trees and shrubs. I know that sounds crazy, but it's the best months to do it to where the roots are going to settle in and establish and not have heat stress. Uh, Usually ample moisture provided by Mother Nature this time of year uh, as look outside today. There you go. Uh, to establish trees and shrubs. So some of these things are larger in the landscape, but really great for winter interest, vibrant color. They're going to look out your window and see. So some of the pictures and plants that I have provided to you of my own accord and some uh, suggested by Southern Living Plant Collection. Japanese maples, they're great. Um, Deeply serrated foliage, foliage adds texture. You've got gorgeous color of the leaves, of course, but as the leaves fall, as they have... Now, you have Japanese maples that have really good color in the bark. So there's coral bark maple, which is, as you would imagine, a red coral color. And the leaves are yellow when they're on. And it's just really, really beautiful. So there's a coral bark maple. 
uh, if you're interested in that in the landscape. Medium-sized leaves, I would say. And a bihu, Japanese maple. I hope I'm saying that right. Bihu, B-I-H-O-U. And that is a yellow-barked Japanese maple that our friend Norm Mitleider uh, was actually able to show me. One time I was going around with him at some of the, the houses that he maintains, and he showed me a bihu Japanese maple with yellow bark. So those are a great option. And red twig dogwood is another one. That reminds me of a coral bark maple. Of course, it's a little more of a shrub form, um, but the bare red branches in winter look really great. And then in the spring, you'll have blossoms, the flat dogwood-like flowers, variegated leaves in the summer, and then berries in the fall. And I think the berries are white uh, on a red twig dogwood. So that's really neat. Can grow in full to partial sun. Uh, which usually we think of our dogwood trees as understory, and they like to grow a little bit more shade. But this red twig dogwood uh, can take a little bit more sun. A yuletide camellia. I have been singing the praises of camellias ever since the fall because there's two different kinds of camellias. When you're shopping, you want to look at the tag. There's Sasanqua and there's Japonica. Sasanqua, I remember, starts with S, so does September. So that's when they bloom. They bloom in the fall. You'll see the really beautiful blooms of a Sasanqua camellia. Mine explodes in October and mine's white. It's a tree. Uh, white blooms with a bright yellow center, almost like a fried egg. And Japonica, I think January. So those will bloom later in the winter and early spring. And Yuletide camellia is a Japonica form. So Yuletide is makes you think of Christmas in December. Those beautiful bright red flowers open up with a yellow center. And of course, the benefits of a camellia, you always have leaves like a tea olive. They're evergreen. You have leaves on them all year round. So you're not looking at just bare twigs, right? Uh, The next one, Southern Living Plant Collection, really talking up Mahonia. Mahonia is so pretty and the yellow flowers are really attractive to pollinators in early winter when there's not much else flowering. And they're great for shade. Mahonia can grow low, uh, soft crust, Soft caress variety is one, and it grows in shade, and it's just really, really neat with the very skinny leaves on it growing a little lower with the yellow stalk flowers from the center. Again, that attract pollinators. Love that. Um, And then Laura Pedlum, Chinese Fringe. I, I don't feel one way or the other about these. I have them up against my house, and I do like the color. I do like the deep burgundy leaves on them. There's also green and variegated options, but traditionally the Chinese fringe that you see are those purple burgundy leaves. And they're really, really pretty and they grow kind of all crazy. Uh, If you don't get a variety that's a little more compact, this shrub can just go wild hair on you and get a little too tall for for my taste and I don't stay after it like I should. Um, But really the reward of those is the bright pink or red or even white fringe flowers that bloom in the spring. So if you prune them properly and properly timed, you're going to have those fringy flowers on them. And then putting that up against something evergreen. Of course, we want foliage in the wintertime, as we just talked about, being able to see some green. Pancake arborvitae is a little compact, uh, has a compact growth habit. So it's really, really neat. Pretty attractive blue-green foliage in the wintertime. And that looks stunning, that green, that nice winter green up against the purple of Laura Pedlum, Chinese French. So there's some ideas, and I know there's more. And if you want to call in with some of your favorite winter interest uh, shrubs and trees and things, please feel free to do so. I would love to hear what you enjoy seeing. I'll get to plants in a little while. Those are kind of the bigger structured things. But of course, I've got some plants for containers and flowers that 
uh, should not be left out of that conversation too. 404-872-0750. Up next, it's Marjorie calling from Douglasville. Hey, Marjorie, good morning. Good morning. What, what do you have today? Well, we had a death in the family, and someone gave us a very large plant basket. <laughs> and would you believe it has six plants crammed wow. into it? okay. And uh, I don't know all of them. I think it has a colorencho, an orange colorencho. That's one I know. <laughs> and it's the one that has, it does have, of course, blooms on it. The other things in there are just green. They don't have blooms. One is a very tall, kind of like a grass thing. It's just real tall and real dark green. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> and then uh, there's another one that has a, it's it's white with with the green around the edge, you know. And then there's some, another one that is a narrow leaf green with the white around the edge and as i don't so i don't know what all these things are so uh, what we want to do is probably they're fine you know all clumped together for a while but then once we kind of learn what their needs are it's probably going to be best to separate them um in the moment all put together it looks great but as they start to grow a little bit bigger they're going to crowd each other out plus they might have different light needs like for example the calancho or calancoe i've heard it pronounced both ways um the calancho needs like medium to high light because it's a succulent so it yeah. will grow with a lot of light, whereas some of those other house plants may be more fine with low light or medium light, and they're going to get a little bit bigger. So, um, right. would you have the capability of taking a couple of pictures and sending them to me? No, I, I don't. I really don't. I wish I did, but I don't. <laughs> what about even if you're not on social media? What about email? Uh, I don't Is have that... a way to take the picture. I don't know how to do the picture. Let's come over and do it for me. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, is one a peace lily by chance or a peace plant? Oh, I know there's no peace plant. There's, there's no, there's okay. Because no, I was just uh, saying. I, I'm, I don't know how to water it once a week, or I don't know how to water it even, you know. Okay, <laughs> well, the best advice on that, and that's an easy one, if they're all grouped together, the best way to know what to water, and of course all their water needs are different too based on how much sunlight they're taking in, but really sticking right. your finger in the soil of each individual pot, that's it. You stick your yeah, finger. Yeah, would you believe it's hard to even do it because they're so crammed they're in there? So, so far. yeah, so it's going to be best. That. To... It's hard to do that. Okay, but I'm it's going to do that. Going to be best. But I know it's the, even some of the leaves on some of them are now are kind of look like they're not doing very good. You know, so yeah. No, I mean, the gesture is beautiful, and I'm really glad that people were that thoughtful in thinking of y'all at this time. But, um, yeah, as you kind of work your way through it, go ahead and start to pick it apart, separate out the plants so they've got some space, find a good place for each of them in the house. Um, I really wish I could help you identify them, though, so I could tell you where to place them in the house based on the, the light needs that they have. But watering super simple when you can get to each pot. Literally, just we. this is the one thing gardeners overthink, I think, is watering house plants, either too much or too little sticking your finger down into the top of the soil up to your knuckle and if it comes out dry the soil super dry needs to be watered if a little bit of soil comes back out on your finger it's moist it's got some moisture you don't need to water it you don't need to water it really till it dries out and some of my house plants i know this may sound bad and some of you are going to go oh no but like croton for example i have a tropical looking crotons in the dining room that does fabulous because it stays so bright in there i wait till the leaves droop a little bit when the leaves just start to droop and even my husband will be like oh that thing looks pitiful that's kind of when you still are in that time where you're like, oh, it hasn't died. And you can water it, and it, within an hour, it perks back up. So that's a good way to determine when to water, too, when you visibly see signs of drooping or wilting. But don't wait a whole other day or two. I mean, go ahead and get to it as you see it. But um, And making sure, too, when you place those around the house, if you want to keep them as houseplants, be prepared to have the saucers underneath, too, or some kind of dish or tray to hold that moisture as it's coming out the bottom of the pot because I don't want it to ruin your furniture or any surface you may put it on. And also, 
um, maintaining the leaves, making sure they stay clean of any dust, clear of any dust. Clip away the ones that are looking dead. As I mentioned earlier in the show, the ones that are already starting to yellow and brown, they're not going to come back. So go ahead and part ways with that leaf. It's not going to hurt the plant to remove it. And as these things grow bigger, it's a good idea sometimes once a year. Um, some house plants are that demanding once a year to be repotted into something bigger. And oftentimes you only need to go to a potter or container that's an inch wider as you're starting to think about replanting um, house plants. And some of them, Marjorie, too, if you're bad about watering, maybe you have a spray bottle. And we want to make sure, especially in the winter when we're running the heat all the time and the air in the house can be kind of dry, a spray bottle. And as you walk by, misting the leaves and giving them that humidity that they need, that's going to prolong the life of a lot of house plants too. It's just having a mister and being able to provide the humidity that they need. Of course, proper lighting, as I mentioned, knowing what you've got and how much light it demands, and just regular watering. And I can't say you know, water that plant every Wednesday or water it twice a week. You know, it really just depends on when you stick your finger in the soil and, and uh, you know, how quickly it's taking up the water. But good luck with those. I really wish I could help you identify them. You know, look, open some garden books and look at some of those as far as the maybe common house plants that are in an arrangement like that. I know you said some had variegated leaves. So uh, I may try to look that up in the break and see if based on some of your descriptions, I can at least throw out some na- names for you. But Um, Thank you for the call. I hope that helps a little bit. Just baby them. Take them one at a time. Don't be overwhelmed with the fact that there's a cluster and there's so many. You'll do just fine. More calls when we come back, plus what I did with my pothos, my devil's ivy, maybe something you should think about doing too. When we come back in the top three things to do in the landscape or inside this weekend, it's 95.5 WSV. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Right now it is 39 degrees. That's stayed pretty stagnant since about 6 a.m. when I came in the studio, but it is going to warm up. Uh, The weather update for the weekend brought to you by Finley Roofing and Christina Edwards. It's going to warm up to a high of about 50 to 52 degrees for most of us. This morning rain is going to be moving out. Cloudy in the afternoon, but drying out. Partly cloudy Sunday into Monday as well. And breezy. The wind gusts on Monday could be up to 20 to 30 miles an hour. And then it does get down to about freezing Sunday night into Monday morning. So bundled the kids up well. A lot of them going back to school for the first time on Monday after this long holiday break. The complete forecast comes up in less than 10 minutes. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. Back to calls in just a minute. But number one, sign up for a workshop. Why not? You want to do continuing education and learn, and you've got some downtime to do it. Local nurseries, garden centers, garden clubs offer informative winter workshops open to the public this time of year, many of which are free. So check any event listings for topics that inspire you. One of the best places is Facebook. Again, sorry to be such a proponent of Facebook for those of you that don't have it, but following your master gardener group or your county government, even their Facebook pages, they'll have a lot of information about classes, anything affiliated with the University of Georgia, of course, um, and my website, wsbradio.com slash green and growing and click down to events. And I'm not paid or don't sponsor any of those things. I just pluck them off the internet as I find them and have a pretty comprehensive list of all kinds of workshops that I'm aware of and things you can attend and and be a part of, and even more for professionals too, um, things through the Georgia Arborist Association and pesticide license classes and things like that. So it kind of runs the gambit of everything. Number two, a seed starting calendar. You want to do that. Every gardener should have that in place before you even start to think about planting your first seeds. Mapping out your planting schedule ahead of time ensures a steady harvest that you always have some kind of abundance of crops and that's it's ideal with every crop's maturation rate, right? We don't want all of our tomatoes coming 
into to being at one time or cucumbers. So you want to do a good crop rotation, whether it's starting seed inside and having those transplants ready to go or starting seed outdoors, direct sowing it and maybe staggering the planting times. And number three, uh, check house plants for insects. Treat immediately if found and careful. Don't let bugs spread from one plant to the other and wipe off those bigger leafed plants with a damp cloth from time to time. Keep the dust and pet hair and stuff off of those as they need to capture all the sunlight possible to stay healthy indoors. 404-872-0750. Up next is Chuck calling from Buford. Hey, good morning, Chuck. Good morning. How are you? Great. What's going on? So I have found two weeping cherry trees on my property. I actually live in Rayburn County up in northeast Georgia. Uh, and I was wondering, they're, they're, just, they're growing in very strange places that no one would plant them. Are, is weeping cherries, do they have to be a grafted tree or do they actually, can they, can they seed and actually come up on their, on their own? You know, I honestly don't know the answer to that. I really, I don't know if they grow from <laughs> seed or not. That's weird. I've always, I've always, the ones you buy at the store are all grafted. You can see where the graft, where they take a willow tree and then they graft a cherry tree on top. But yeah. these, I don't see a graft line. Uh, so it just made me wonder if they were, you know, did they come up naturally or, or what? Wow. No, I should know. And I don't. That's a great question. And, I, and I've heard of people propagating them too, you know, starting them from softwood cuttings from an existing tree. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of work to propagate a tree on your own, but it it can be done from cuttings taken at the right time of year and all that. But starting from seed, I just don't know. So the the two that I have, I want to locate them to where they can be uh, enjoyed and and viewed. So what would be your recommendation of uh, transplanting them? Is this the time of year? And do you know, can you give me a ballpark on, I'll have an excavator coming, uh, a small excavator coming to my property on Tuesday and I was thinking about moving them if this is the right time of year and, you know, getting them relocated. Yeah, now would be a fine time of year. For transplanting, fall is ideal um, just because the cooler temperatures but not quite cold like we're in now. But it's still a good time as the tree is dormant and it's going to have a lot of time to just focus on root establishment and its new home rather than the stress of putting on the leaves and all of that. It's not going to have to deal with that for the next few months. So do that and make sure, I don't know how big your property is, Chuck, but you know Georgia 811 before they go digging and stuff, don't hit any you know, electrical wires or pipes or anything like that, right? Mark all the spots before you get digging in there, right? Yes, ma'am. I understand. I will do that. Yeah. So have the new spot prepared, you know, prior to that way they're not staying out and exposed for any number of days. That way you're able to just transplant them right from the old spot to the new spot. Native dirt. Native dirt's the best thing you can do. Don't bring in all these soil amendments and dirt from other places, backfilling that hole with the native dirt is going to be fine. And mulch just to provide a really good insulation layer so that, you know, the roots are protected from the cold that we're still going to encounter for the next couple of months. That sounds awesome. Thank you very much for You're your advice. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. And I'm going to be uh, looking into weeping cherry trees, whether or not they grow from seed. I really don't know. I had a weeping cherry tree uh, on our property when we moved in, and I, I would love to say that I thoroughly enjoyed it but I did not that thing was nothing but trouble for us for about eight years before we finally got wise and took it out they're beautiful I mean I have the uh, on the Facebook page when you search Facebook green and growing WSB if you go to photo albums highway horticulture which I've neglected for the past few months but this photo album highway horticulture that I really start ramping up in the spring you know of course the cherry trees are some of the first things to bloom uh, even as early as February around here but generally March April and those are my favorites, those the spring cherry 
blossoms, you know, are my favorites. But weeping cherry was just not a tree that I paid much attention to because I, I didn't like it. And it had bagworms all the time and it just dropped limbs and it was just messy, kind of like a river birch. Um, but yeah, transplanting a tree now is going to be just fine to do. Um, and no fertilizer. I don't know if I already said that, Chuck, but don't put any fertilizer in the hole because we don't want to um, signal to the tree to put on any new growth and get ahead of itself just yet. So just let it get acclimated to that native soil and its new spot. Make sure to keep it watered. It has been a little bit drier over the past month, month and a half than what we're used to. So I planted a new tree in the landscape in November and I am going up and down the hill with the watering can, making sure that thing stays watered. So that's crucial for its establishment as well. All right, we'll hear from Barbara and Stone Mountain and you coming up in hour number three, 404 For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.